Hi everyone, we're going to play a quick game. Do you know the game Simon Says? Okay, ready? Simon Says, touch your nose. Simon Says, touch your ear. Simon Says, rub your tummy. Pat your head. Did I get you? Oh, I don't think I'll have fooled any of you. You know, I found out that this is quite a universal game. I didn't know that before. But in different cultures, it's not necessarily Simon. For example, in Bengali, it's the leader says. In Japan, it's shipmaster's orders. In China, it's teacher says. What is it in Portuguese? Anybody want to put in the chat? Uh, the master ordered, I think. Is that right? Uh, and Flo, what is it in French? Jacadie? Jacadie in French. Well, today I want to play a game of Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come follow me. Now, pull your socks up, get yourself sorted out, give everything, uh, give everything up that's bad for you, persuade other people to have hope even if they don't want to, and well, I didn't say Jesus says at the end there, so I hope you didn't get caught out by that last one. You know, we so often, don't we, forget to listen to Jesus and we end up doing things in our own strength. But as we're about to find out, Jesus has authority when he speaks. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake, 
and was drowned. And those tending the pigs saw what had happened. They ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Jesus says, let's go over there. Now the disciples were Jewish and up to this point, Jesus had found them and was ministering in their patch. They were following him and were listening to his teaching. They'd even been given special appointments, becoming apostles, the sent ones of Jesus, although they hadn't quite been sent at that point. And they had already been in some pretty interesting places the houses of rich people, eating with sinners, and sometimes not quite knowing if what Jesus was doing or where he was choosing to hang out was okay. But really, up to this point, they still hadn't been far from home. And then Jesus says, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Now, the disciples were familiar with the lake. They were fishermen. And so when Jesus gave them uh, the direction that they were heading in, you know, they will have known where they were going, that they were going to a Gentile region, a non-Jewish region, which had some pretty daunting issues, a place they would have never ventured to before. You see, where they were going about 70 years before in the Gerasene region, a Roman legion had been sent to strike fear into the people there. They killed over a thousand young men and imprisoned their families. They burnt the city to the ground and turned their violence on the surrounding villages. In that place over there on the other side of the lake was a place with a horrific past, traumatized by the Romans who still ruled in the area and for whom the people farmed food. In fact, where Jesus was aiming for was one of the graveyards, the graveyards where those young men who'd lost their lives were buried, the tombs of a lost generation. Now, this was a serious challenge to the disciples, both culturally and personally. Let's go over there to the unclean place, to the place of trauma, the place of oppression. If they had just said it to each other, I don't think there's any way they'd be sailing there. But when Jesus says, for us, this is no less of a challenge, right? If just anyone asks us to go to the places in our past that are traumatized or oppressed, broken by our choices or the choices of others, the places of regret, of fear, of shame, of hurt, you know, we probably don't really want to go there. But when Jesus says, let's go over there, Something much bigger is happening in our lives. We are hearing the voice of the one who is able to do something about it. Now, and before the disciples have even got across the lake, just on the journey alone, they are up against it. First of all, Jesus falls asleep. Uh, then a storm rolls in and the boat is beginning to take on water and the waves are coming over the side. Now, they were in great danger. And it states it in verse 23, they were in great danger. It doesn't say 
they felt like they were in great danger or it looked like danger to them, but not to other people. It simply says they were in danger, real apparent danger. So the disciples wake Jesus up and they say to him, Master, Master, we are going to drown. Then Jesus says to the waves and the wind, be calm. Actually, we don't know if that's exactly what Jesus says, but we are told that he says something, that it is a rebuke to the elements and that the result is that the storm is calmed. Then Jesus says, where is your faith? They are fearful and amazed at the same time and say to each other, who is this? Even the winds and the water obey him. The disciples are beginning to realize that Jesus is more than just their master or their rabbi. And when Jesus speaks, it is like God is speaking. Nevertheless, it doesn't seem comfortable for them to be around Jesus or receiving his challenge, but Jesus does not seem content with them not using the faith that he saw was theirs. He doesn't say here in Luke, you have no faith, get some. He asks the relevant question, which affirms that they do have faith, but that it is in the wrong place. Where is your faith? Now, I think for us, this is uncomfortable too. Now, I'm not good at being rebuked or challenged, if I'm honest. Not many of us are. In fact, culturally, many of us are hypersensitive to challenge or criticism because, our increasing, because of our increasingly radical individualism. You know, we have undervalued and commodified relationship and community so that it, it can't even withstand the highs and lows of challenge. You know, we live under such a call by culture to shape our own identity and our own destiny that we are losing who we actually are at our deepest levels. You know, we so want to believe that we are of worth, but we are scared that we are not of worth because the voices of the world do not have the authority our souls hunger for. But can Jesus say it to us? Is Jesus able to ask us, where is your faith? To challenge us that he wants more for us and that this radical freedom he bought for us with his blood is enough for our forgiveness, our habits to be redeemed, our hearts to be mended. You know, he can because he has the power to rebuke the storm. He has the authority that comes from God. And so with Jesus bringing us through the storm, we arrive at the other side of the lake and we immediately encounter the man who is oppressed by an evil spirit. Now, when Jesus says, what is your name? It's hard to know from the text if Jesus is talking to the man or to the unclean spirit. But it is Jesus who has the power to discern and separate between who someone is and what the things are that oppress them. Now, what we do know is that the oppressor spirit replies, saying its name is Legion. Now, this immediately shows us that what is happening is it's more than just a personal deliverance here for this man uh, who's hiding amongst the graves of his father's generation who were killed by the Romans. Now, Jesus is engaging with the realities of oppression that the Romans enforced in the region. You know, a legion in the Roman Empire comprised of about 6,000 soldiers. They were an occupying force. 
And this man is about to be freed, but also uh, is about this deliverance is about a social and political deliverance uh, of the past trauma, but also the present oppression for the whole region and for these people. This is not about just freeing one man. This is about freeing a whole group of people. Even the way the spirits end up being allowed to go into the pigs is a signpost of what Jesus is doing. The pig was an emblem of one of the most notorious legions of occupying Roman forces in Israel at that time. Now, where others had tried to contain and control this man, occupied by a demon, and they had failed, the voice of Jesus brought liberation. Where the region had tried to defend itself, but had become the possession of Caesar, who claimed to be the Lord of Lords, who was thought to be God by lots of people and worshipped like that, Jesus comes with his authority and his power and sets them free. But there is fear from the people there. You know, they ask him to go because it's too scary for them. And Jesus, in his disciple-making genius, but also in his tenderness, knows that if one of their own, who knows the depths and despairs of the people because he's experienced it so personally, if one of their own is able to bring the good news to them, they may just be able to cross the lake of their fear through the storm of danger it stirs up and hear the challenge and authority of Jesus and find out that he is God. Now Jesus says to the man who is now in his right mind, return home and tell how much God has done for you. What does it mean for you today to follow Jesus, even into the places of healing that are scary? What does it mean for you to accept or give forgiveness? What does it mean for you to speak Jesus, uh, speak to Jesus in the storm and to pursue the liberation of oppressed people and places? What does it mean for you to go on adventures and mission with Jesus? Now, I can't tell you to do these things in my own authority, but Jesus can. Jesus comes to challenge and cast out every power that prevents us from living fully and freely as human beings made in the image of God. And it is the power of Jesus who shares his power with his disciples that is able to do it. He can lead you in these things because his power is greater You know, the power of Jesus is greater. He is able to forgive you because he gave his life for you. He can free you because he knows who you are called to be. He can call you into greater hope, greater purpose, greater faith, greater love, greater than COVID, greater than our systemic inequalities that we live amongst and must fight against, greater than the storms of our current age. The power of Jesus is greater. May we know that today. Lord, come and fill us that we might be a people who are able to live in your freedom, who are able to follow you and hear your voice more clearly.